This episode is brought to you by Skillshare. Skillshare is an awesome online learning community filled with thousands of creative video classes taught by experts and professionals. With topics ranging from how to start a side hustle, meditation, the stock market, graphic design, cooking, coding, and everything in between. Learn that skill you were always curious about or kickstart that passion project you've always wanted to. Sign up using our special Suck In Between link in the episode notes or our Insta bio for a free 30-day trial. Welcome back to the Stuck In Between podcast. My name is Romy. And I'm Sandan. Thanks for joining us. In this episode, we chat with singer Janani Sharma, also known as Janani Sings, who you might recognise from this viral TikTok. No, I don't believe in soulmates. But... We chat about her relationship with art, going viral with South Asian music on social media, and the rise of the genre of fusion. We enjoyed speaking with Janani so much. She was so humble, and we hope you enjoy listening as much as we enjoyed recording. Let's get into it. Well, Janani, thanks so much for taking the time today. Uh, it's so cool getting to chat with you, having seen all of your amazing music and content online. Thank you for having me. It means a lot. This is amazing. I'm excited to ramble <laughs> we're excited to chat with you um before we get kick-started could you tell us a little bit about yourself for our listeners uh yeah so my name is janani i'm 21 i was uh, born in india and i came here when i was three i'm like in the boston area right now i go between boston new hampshire and i just graduated college. I just got my engineering degree and now I'm on the internet a lot. I spend an unhealthy amount of time on my phone. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure we all spend an unhealthy amount of time on our phone anyway. Don't worry. Um, I know Janani, you just mentioned that you were born in India and moved to the US when you were little. What role did your culture and your heritage play in your life? I mean, if you grow up brown in a predominantly white country, then whether you can choose to have your culture play a role in your life it's not it's kind of like it's undeniable it's like you like you have to address it you have to think about it you have to understand what does it mean to you how do you navigate the two cultures that when you go to school it's one thing when you go back home it's one thing because we are not exactly a 50 50 split of each and so understanding how to act what that means about who we are it's a lifelong journey and mm. you know I, I'm wearing <laughs> I'm wearing you know like, oh my nanny you made this shirt and I'm wearing a bindi and 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 I'm wearing Indian earrings and Romy before the interview was like <laughs> I didn't come <laughs> dressed up like you I, I'm just giving one example of how I've chosen to mm. draw from my Indian culture and how I've have had that form, my, my, my identity, my relationship to music, my values as a human being, you know, my work ethic, my, mm. the way I want to be around people, the way I represent, because we, whether we choose to or not, we do represent, you know, brown people. When you're the only brown person at work in the room, you kind of represent all brown people, whether you want to or not. So how do you want to do that? Mm. So basically the way that it's informed to me now is that 
I'm so grateful I've been able to be exposed to the art forms that are within our culture. Our culture is so rich. Daisy culture is incredibly deep and profound. And everything, if you study and you understand, which, which a lot of it I haven't yet, but it's like informed by the most visceral parts of human experience, you know? Mm. Like there's a reason behind everything. And it's been like that in, in ancient cultures, when you study things, things are much more profound than they, they look like on the surface. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. And I think you summarize the objective of our podcast really beautifully as well. Um, going back to what you were saying about navigating two cultures and exploring all those really rich things that sometimes we do take for granted. Um, so, you know, love having you on. Um, so obviously we came across you seeing you do some really amazing stuff online through music from your TikToks that have gone viral to your really awesome covers. How did you actually get started with music and um, what's your earliest memory with it? So I'll tell you a story. My mom is a musician, so I won't be able to remember this, but in terms of my earliest exposure to music, she was there doing such intense musical trainings with her guru, and I was there in her womb. And when you hear things, oh yeah, play your baby Beethoven, they'll become smarter. Babies do absorb vibration when you're inside their womb. And so I like to think that music was injected into me even before I was in this world, Love because that. my mom is a music teacher, my mom is a musician, and without her, I would my understanding of music would be nowhere where it is right now. Yeah, that's beautiful. Well, given that your mum is a musician and a music teacher, did you take a natural liking towards music from watching your mum growing up? Or were you kind of encouraged by them to take music lessons and learn music? Um, Being a music teacher and being the daughter of a music teacher, there are certain expectations. Mm. And if I were to say, oh, yes, I was a great student ever since I knew music <laughs> and I was the number one student in her class, that would be such a lie. I remember like coming home from school and her students would be parked outside and I hear them singing inside the house and it's pouring rain. And I would just sit outside in the rain. I would not want to even go inside the house because I knew my mom was going to see me. It's not my class time, but the downpour is going to sit down, sing. And I wouldn't want to. So I would just do crazy things like that when I was younger. So that made me have a lot of exposure to music and it wasn't always positive because, you know, I was like, mom, I just want to sing Soledad Gomez. Why are you making me sing Rag Yaman? <laughs> That's like not cool. <laughs> so, you know, it's one of those things that I used to run away from the Tanpura and now I'm so grateful that mm. that I had that exposure whether whether however she chose to do it in a strict way in a loving way I can't judge her for that because I mean her, in her eyes it was like look I came to this country and music is my most beloved thing and one of the best ways I can make my child connected to the culture I know so now I look back at it and I can't even form into words how like deeply it's <laughs> integral to who I am mm. and yeah. what I value and what I want to do with my life. Are you kidding me? Like I'm eternally grateful for my mom. That's yeah. awesome. And I think we see that sometimes when, you know, as children of migrants were taught about the arts in a really strict or rigid way. And sometimes that pushes people away from the culture because of that. 
So, you know, it's really great hearing about how you found the beauty and joy in it. But at what point did you kind of stop shying away? Like you said, standing in the rain, not wanting to go inside the house to hear all of this music, uh, to go from that to embracing it. Yeah. At what point did I go from would rather die from pneumonia than open my mouth to sing? <laughs> you know, I was at a point, I was 14, 13, you know, and I was doing a lot of local cultural competitions and shows and I was just not getting first place. And I was, <laughs> I was like, what is this? Like, I really, my self-confidence was so low that I almost severed like my relationship with music itself. I was like, cool, I'm entering high school now. My personality is going to be maybe I'll uh, pick up volleyball or something, you know. But I went to Sadegamapa Little Champs when I was 15 years old. And I flew to India and I performed on DTV's Munch, their stage. And in that preparation process, when I knew I got selected, my mom would make me sit every day, rehearse before I got to India. And my mom would be like, okay, sing high. And I couldn't sing high. So out of frustration, I would literally scream and yell and call it singing. And it was my covert way of being like, look, I'm singing, but look how much pain I'm in. Are you happy? But you know, ironically, when I was doing that yell, horrible screeching singing, my voice, I'm not uh, condoning this by the way, but my voice a little bit got the message. My, my, my throat was like, looks like we're going there. So it actually helped me um, at least gain the confidence a little bit because for the first time I was attempting it. For the first time I was like, yeah, my voice is breaking. Yeah, it sounds ugly. But because I fought through that, I was able to sing like that. And then when I came back from setting up, uh, of course, everybody was like, wow, CTV, wow, you know, who was Monali Thakur was your judge and Ali Duffer was your judge. I was like a quote, local celebrity, whatever that means. But, but I came back and my progress that I made as a singer itself was so satisfying, but it was addicting. I was like, look, it's, but it's possible though. But I made, I'm, I made some progress. And because I was so dejected as a vocalist before, it was so encouraging to me. And since then, my, my relationship with music is like, you know, in high school, I wouldn't go to the football games. I wouldn't, I'd be like, sorry, I'm singing. I'm, I'm at home because I want to be a successful singer. Mm. <laughs> and since then, I was like, this is like, this is, uh, this is it. Amazing. And I guess to that, did you grow up getting Western vocal training as well? Um, And if you did, how did your knowledge from kind of Western music genres help with your Eastern music and vice versa? Yeah, so I was, not to flex on you, but I was the VP of our local choir in my high school. Um, So I did that. And I also took like actual Western vocal classes, Mm. singing arias, you know, understanding opera singing, because they're all uh, different genres in which you actually do functionally, technically use your throat in a different way. It's actually helped me a lot. My, my experience just being in the local high school choir actually has been so instrumental to how I understand music now because my understanding of harmonies, you know, when I have the Tanpura going, it's only Sa, Ba, Sa, the first, the fifth, and then, you know, the first of the next octave. And so it's not going to be playing the note I'm singing all the time, but because of my, I was an alto in the choir. And so I understand how it's supposed to sound. How is it supposed to mesh? So the no, biggest way in which my Indian music uh, informs my Western singing is truly just sur, meaning pitch, but sur is a little bit more than pitch, but you know, it's the understanding of how 
each individual note. You know, it's very Eastern Indian classical music. I specifically study Hindustani classical music. It's so meditative. It's so spiritual because it's so mm. ancient and profound. But what that means is in Western music, yeah, you're doing your scales, do, re, mi, fa, so, you know, but on, in Indian music, when you're sitting down to do your ziyan, which means practice, um, to even sit on one note, which is sa, and to get in the exact bullet center of what that note is, you can sit there for an hour just doing 15 minutes, one note, Fif the next 15 minutes, the next note down, mm. the next 15 minutes, the next note down. That's how deeply spiritual it is and also meditative. And also it actually just, I'm not, I'm meaning it's an active process though. Like when I say meditative, it's not like, oh yeah, great chillaxing time. It's the entire time I'm working and being very conscious of where is my note in the spectrum of mm. sounds that I can make. So it's a lot of work to understand each note in its entirety. Like I will hear the notes of a dog and it'll like, pierce my heart to bring me to tears and it's like seven mm -hmm. notes you know like but the understanding of pitch and uh, and of each individual they say like each individual swad which is like the note can have the entire universe in it it's like that's true when people say like oh you made me cry it's just a tiktok why am i crying it's because there's something so profound and beyond our level mm -hmm. of understanding that exists in music <laughs> yeah, I mean, even thinking about that, there must be so many flow-on effects of having to focus on something like that for so long. I mean, it must help your concentration and, and things so much as well. Um, shifting focus a little bit, I know you mentioned that you'd skip football games in order to learn your music. Given that you were brought up in the US, were you always quite open and quite proud of your culture and the fact that you were learning Indian classical music, particularly with your um, non-South Asian peers and friends? I feel like everybody has that arc and I definitely have that arc. I went to a very white, rich Christian middle school mm -hmm. and I was one of two brown kids, you know, and, and those trying times in which you're so desperately trying to be white, whether you realize it or not, it just tests you and it makes you think like, wait, not everybody has to go and do this though. My best friend, Sally, doesn't have to go home and think 50 times about whether she's going to bring sabji to school tomorrow, like, like vegetable curry, because who knows if it'll smell and then my uniform will smell. And blah, blah, blah. So I wasn't, point is I wasn't always like very proud of my culture and you know, I wanted to be white. And then I got to high school and I was freshman year and I still wanted to be white. And I was sophomore year. And then I went to India and then I was like, and, and again, so I didn't know what happened. And I was like, hold on. <laughs> this is so cool. <laughs> this yeah. is so much cooler. This is, and, and it's weird because I was watching TikTok, uh, TikTok the other day. And it was like, you know, like nose piercings, for example, if you like wear it in like a corporate environment, it can be seen as rebellious. Why? It's because of like in the 70s, 80s, at least in America, there was this counterculture in um, um, young American culture in which, you know, they had the, you know, meditation was really big. The Beatles started playing the sitar mm. for some mm. reason. And it became like, oh, the quirky white girls are going to wear bindis and, you know, nose piercing. And so now flash forward to now, like, oh, you do yoga, you do, you drink. It's, it's cool because it's the white girl who doesn't want to be like everybody else is doing it, but mm. it actually it's inherent to a, ancient culture and it's not cool because a white girl decided to do it 
but it's cool because every little thing in our like in our culture sometimes when you look at it a culture has great things and it has some things to be worked on but in terms of the the beauty and the art like there's so much thought behind everything we just have to take in control of it and not mm. let other people exploit it for as just aesthetics but understand everything behind this exactly uh Rami and I were actually speaking just earlier about how yoga for example has been you know adopted and diluted to tailor a western market but you know there's so much more depth to it that has kind of been lost due to commercialization and westernization and all this other stuff um so you know how many other things in our lives are like that yeah exactly um Janani, I know that you you've spoken a lot about the significance of music in your life and how it's a passion of yours which really comes through in, you know, you speaking as well. Um, I know you've just graduated with an engineering degree, like you just mentioned. So is music something you want to pursue full-time or as a career in the future? Is that what you're working towards? Yeah. Um, (laughs) So when I graduated high school, I've always had that thing in the back of my mind. I was like, the idea that you could do music, what you love, as a full-time career is extremely enticing to me. I know there's many things that come along with that. It's not gonna be just me. You know, I've, I've understood that when I went viral and now mm. I'm my own business manager, my own lawyer, my own PR team, my own, you know, these are all individually full-time jobs. So I'm looking at myself at this point as a one-person startup. Um, I have this engineering degree. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> so, so you you did mention I did invest the last four years of my life into an engineering degree. Uh, I don't regret it at all. I wasn't like forced to do it. Um, I think I, in my own mind, coerced myself. I did get it accepted into Berkeley, and I got the same scholarship to Berkeley as I did Northeastern, where's the school I went ended up going to. But in my own mind, I was gaslighting myself. I was like, "Come on, music degree, Jenny." come on, you're, you're the American dream. Your parents moved here with like no money yet, like no knowing. So you're going to go get a music degree because I'm also the eldest daughter of an immigrant family, which has also informed my life. Um, so I have this degree now. <laughs> Yay. The paper came in the mail, but if anything, it's just, just confirmed that what I need to be doing is, is music. It's so integral to who I am. I can't, when I go to a big work environment, maybe it's specific to the big company that I worked at, but it's like, no, it's it's the majority of your life, whatever you end up doing for your work. And I need to make sure it's mm. something that I love because I cannot, it's so normalized the whole like two, two days till Friday, one day till Friday. And I don't want to live towards Friday. I want to live towards the next moment of my life or right now, actually. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And I think... Um you know, good on you for not getting stuck in that rat race. And like you said, using that to figure out how important of a role music plays in your life and what role you wanted to play moving forward. Um, flowing on from that, who artistically has inspired you and what you want to do with music moving forward? Yeah, that's a great question. There is so many, you know, when I saw, I saw Zaki Hussein in concert, he is one of the most renowned I think I can say the best tabla player in the world but beyond his accolades and achievements phenomenal musician human being and when he was performing he was like 
he would still say things like, forgive me if I make mistakes. And, you know, um, I have a long way to go. And he says that because his understanding of his instrument and music is so deep that he has that comparison now where us looking at him, we're like, wow, like how could you <laughs> say these things? But of course, as an artist, um, artistically, that's not necessarily the path I'm gonna take. I don't think that will up, but you know, I'm really inspired by musicians like Ravina. I'm, I'm inspired by Rama. I'm inspired by Shriya Kaur. And of course, Shriya Goshal and Shilpa Rao is a big inspiration of mine. Um, but you know, this, this new genre that we're creating day by day, Fusion exists in many ways. If you go to India, you'll find, you know, Gully Boy, that's fusion, you know, like, but in the way that people are doing it from the Western side first, it's truly its own thing. And the way that everybody chooses to interpret those two cultures is different. And so I think Indian music is the most beautiful form of music, in my opinion. Um, but maybe I'm, maybe I'm not trying to be exactly the next Jonita Gandhi or the next, you know, um, I, I, I can only be myself. So if I mm. go to India and say, look, all you Indian people who are genuinely raised and born in India who have Gharanas, generations of musicians, like maybe I can't do what you do. And I, and I don't also maybe want to because, you know, other people comment on it sometimes, even I don't catch it. But when I sing even just a Bollywood song, the way I sing it, the, the, the way, the little modulations, the little variations that I choose to do, it's different. And sometimes it's people from India who come to me and they're like, I love when you put your Western spin on it. And I'm like, what Western spin? <laughs> Wait a second, what? <laughs> um, so <laughs> this is a long-winded way of saying, I'm still figuring out my specific sound and my own genre because I can't even say like Ariana Grande could still say, 10 years ago, no, but I'm going to do something maybe in like R&B pop. The genre we're creating doesn't exist as a mainstream mm. genre, you know? And so it's a thing that now as a songwriter, as a musician, every day I have to go in and explore mm. how I'm going to interpret, how I'm going to interpret my music. Because if you even listen to like new music coming out of India, it's like crazy how there's like, like wait, is there dubstep in this? Like yeah. the, the, way, the way that a lot of mainstream Indian musicians are, and the industry really, it's not even individual musicians, it's the industry is trying to copy what the West is doing. And because they're copying it, um, it's delayed. And it's also not authentic to, they're, they're just, again, they have one way of interpreting it. I'm going to have another way. And it's just about exploring that. Yeah, and, and I mean, you've just talked about something that we, we also wanted to mention, which is that westernization that you often see happen in Indian movies and just in South Asia in general and people almost losing touch or forgetting how beautiful the arts and culture are. And we've had this conversation with other people we've interviewed on, you know, people losing sight of the language as well as the culture. But I think what's beautiful about people like you is although you identify, you know, also as American and you've been brought up in America pretty much all your life, you've still made the decision to sing in Hindi in most of your social media posts and your videos. And I think that's fantastic because it's bringing this ancient language to the forefront on social media. Um, And more importantly, I'm just going to get in there real quick. Um, I put the translations. And I make, yeah, yes. I make a point to put the English translations because like we maybe speak commonly in our household, even Hindi, but still when I read the translations, it hits different and it makes yeah. music more accessible. Beautiful. And there's so many people that tell me 
Indian music is just so beautiful, but I don't understand the words. But of course, music is a universal language. Yeah. But still, it really helps to understand the words. So my point is that it not only Indian people like it, everybody likes it. because it's Yeah, different. I mean, I love the fact that you put the lyrics on there because, I mean, me personally, I maybe know like four words of Hindi, but it doesn't stop me from listening to the music and still enjoying it. But the lyrics just add another dimension to it because I think, and I don't know if it's because South Asian languages are just so deep and complex that the lyrics in South Asian songs are just next level. So I love that you add the lyrics on there. And yeah, exactly to your point of music being a universal language. I mean, I grew up listening to South Asian music, regardless of what language it was sung in. And I think, you know, that's really helped me stay connected to my South Asian roots and heritage, although I've been in Australia pretty much all my life. And I know Sen is the same as well. Yeah, it's like a comfort, right? Mm. Um, you know, music that you grew up listening to, but might have drifted away from through high school and whatnot. But um, you can always come back to it and it's like authentically yours and kind of yeah. feels like home. Um, kind of shifting gears a little bit. How did you get involved with creating music on social media? Um, what kind of sparked that idea? And did you think you would go as viral as you have? First of all, no. <laughs> I did not have any scope of comprehension of the power of the internet because mm. it's different when you look at it, observe it as an outsider versus when you're on the other side of the screen. And it's a very overwhelming and incredible, unexplainable experience. But I'll start with why did I start posting on social media? Because I was like, look, I'm about to graduate engineering college, but here's the catch. <laughs> don't want to be an engineer <laughs> so um, what am I gonna do about it you know what can I do in my like after I'm done my homework in the from the hours of 9 p.m to 4 a.m like what can I do and I was I did it because I needed to make sure I was doing something so regardless of how many views I was getting I was just so satisfied intrinsically that when I looked at my feed I was showing up and doing the work and that itself made me proud and that's the relationship I want to maintain with music is that I really just do it for me because mm -hmm. I have to do it. I have mm -hmm. to do it. And if people like it, that's great. But honestly, I don't have control whether they, whether they will like it because musician, uh, music is subjective, art is subjective. But somehow consistently on my TikTok, it's been a trend that the second song that I choose to do, the one that I'm like, whatever, I have. <laughs> seems passable i'm just pleading the algorithm please tiktok silicon valley overlords just know i'm consistent <laughs> whatever um and and that's the one that that people like and i think it's because it's just more more raw it's more unfiltered mm. it's more like it will take me three hours sometimes to film a 30 second clip and i cannot stay up till 6 a.m i tell myself this so i'm like look it's serious one time so maybe this and a combination of many other things it's like I really feel it in the moment. I really just mm -hmm. try my very best in the moment. It comes from my heart. And and also I'm at a stage where I'm, I, I can't overthink it in the middle of the cover and click stop record and start all over again. I just go to the end all the way, even if I know I made a mistake. And then I finally, at the end, I try not to think technically even. I'm just like, I listen to it like, like somebody who's just scrolling on their FYP. And like, yeah. does this make me feel something? Yeah. Um, other, other than disgust, <laughs> then I will 
post it. <laughs> no way. I mean, I think those one take 3M videos, uh, they really resonate because it, they're just so authentic. I mean, even the approach you took to our interview today of being like, I've got nothing scripted. I'm just going to go for it and answer your questions. I think that authenticity is what people gravitate towards. And I mean, me personally, I'm not musically trained at all. So I wouldn't even know if you made a mistake. So I think for, you know, a commoner like myself, just watching your videos, listening to your beautiful voice is what we enjoy. Yeah. And we also see your passion come through your singing and, you know, you can just tell that you have such great love for music and you want to share that. And, you know, that's all that it's about. You don't care if it goes viral or not. Okay. Love for music. Okay. A lot of people, <laughs> my, when I feel the music, I, by the way, also make faces, which I was not aware actually of this. So I definitely do feel it and I can't hide it. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I think that I like, I personally like seeing, if you saw somebody, I was talking about this with my therapist, by the way, which by the way, brown people go to therapy. And she was, I was like, look, you see John Mayer or any guitar player doing guitar solo. Do you want them to be like, no, you feel it because like, I like what you were saying, really like, no, not everybody has maybe the conceptual, logical understanding of music. And also that's not the way we actually even interpret music. We do it from the heart. So mm. as a performer, what I've learned, it's like, they see you're having fun. They're going to have fun. So yeah. like, it just amplifies it. So I, yeah. I'm honestly like, I like my faces, even though some people don't, but whatever. Yeah, exactly. I completely agree with you. I mean, you wouldn't want to go watch a singer or a musician, um, you know, perform as though they've got no passion injected into them and they're just kind of regurgitating something they've learned many times. So yeah, I love that. Um, also, I guess talking about the video that you posted that had gone viral, where did the idea for that come from for the, you know, I don't believe in soulmates, but, and I know you've taken that concept for a few other videos and songs as well, but it's so creative. Where'd the idea come from? Well, credit where credit is due, Parvobi Das made the I hate all men, but when he loves me, uh, that cloud nine, uh, it's a cover song that she did and it really much blew up. So I, in my little niche, that was Brown talk, TikTok, Daisy talk, everybody was kind of, that's how TikTok works. There's trends and you follow them. So I was starting to make those TikToks. I made one, I covered Gedua by Arjit Singh. And I always try to put my own spin on everything that I do. So I didn't say I hit all men, but I was like, I despise all men. Oh, wow, how creative she used the thesaurus. But like, I, I tried doing that and I it thought, wow, it got 65k views. And I was like, <laughs> I'm a celebrity. <laughs> I was like, so, <laughs> like, I was like responding to every comment. And I still like, if I could do that, if I had enough hours in the day, I would do that because comments are real likes yes but like comments they just hit different to me they're like somebody's Ooh. words it's not just a view it's not just a like um and so I really try genuinely to like no thank you thank you for watching it genuinely it means a lot to me that you felt anything but so I was doing that and then I, I was like okay let's just keep going and so the weekend Saturday I posted one more and I did another look and then I posted again I, I was done with myself at that point because I was like okay like it's probably the last time I'm going to do this whole butt thing, right? It's getting a little old, right? And uh, then I, I, for some reason, I, I said that and I even told my friends, I was like, I was thinking about doing this. What do you think about like, I don't believe in soulmates. And they were like, I actually like the other one. <laughs> and uh, I was like, okay. But like in my heart, I was like, no, this is like, this is kind of cute. I like, I don't believe in soulmates. So mm. I did it. And 
uh, that actually that part of baby Nazarolid mm. that was already trending as a sound on TikTok. So I was like, people like that part of the song. So let me just do that. Honestly, you just don't know what people like sometimes. I've, if I've learned anything, like the internet will notice anything and everything. And also, it's very fickle. Like again, subjective. Anyway, so I posted it, and then I woke up, and still I try not to look at my phone for the first hour of the day. I find that it makes me really anxious if I do, and it also slows down my whole day when I do that. So I didn't look at my phone, and then I went on Instagram first because Instagram is still slower than TikTok. TikTok is like, come on, people go viral all the time. Sometimes you go to their profile and it's like 45 million views, and then the next one is like 100 views, and you know it's fickle like that. That's the way it works. So I went on Instagram first, and people were putting on my stories, and I was like, damn, like okay. Then I went to TikTok, and it was overnight within six hours, 200k views, and that wow. my highest before that was like. 65k so that was when I I um cursed a lot (laughs) that I and then I figured out like okay but still I was of course I feel like the whole month of April and May I was like okay cool like it's not it's not viral anymore right like I mean like it's cool like I had my moment and nice next right next that's the way the internet works it's like you will literally be relevant for like a day and then people will forget Unfortunately, we see this also with like literal world issues. Like Palestine is not trending anymore. Like it's sad, but that's the way that it inherently internet works. But it just didn't stop. And it's still to this day, like people are making, it's yeah. like, what is it, June? I posted on yeah. Instagram. I mean, even just yesterday, and I was super conscious of it because we're interviewing you today, but um, I saw another video with your song in the background. So it's still definitely going. Yeah. What was your reaction when you saw other content creators use your music for the stuff that they put out and what was your family and friends reaction when you told them you know like I posted a video online and now hundreds and thousands of people have heard it and are listening to it well first of all my mom was like they're all robots okay like she was like like she's like a software engineer but she's very skeptical of the internet and security so Mm -hmm. but you know actually who am I to verify right like they could be all robots and also maybe it's just easier for me to think like that because then I won't be so hyper conscious because then I'll start yeah. overanalyzing and every person that's like your chin is too big I'll be like how many people think like that you know like I mean of course I'm not trying to be like that um my dad and I we would have like we'd both be working and it would be funny it would be like our literal only interaction they'd be like so how many views and I'd be <laughs> like <laughs> like it would just be like you know um so it was honestly I think more exciting for the people I was around you know because I was so like it's, it's fake like it's not it's gonna it's, it's a trend it'll be done tomorrow I just have to keep what I'm doing I had to I have to be responsible for myself but for everybody else it's like wow like my friends would be like um I saw that hate comment already even before I saw it and they were already flagged it already like reported it so it's so <laughs> funny to me like the way my friends were like refreshing my feed they would tell me before I even knew you had 100k you had 150k um so my reaction seeing other creators use my sound was I was just I would literally just be scrolling my doing my daily ritual scrolling FYP you know looking at cat videos and then my voice would just like be there and I would be like what uh it would mean a lot to me. Like, I think when I when I talked about how much comments feel like real and tangible, it's even further videos. When you see somebody's face lip syncing to your voice, it's like, 
or I got even like reaction videos. That's even more like people like crying live on their video, like looking at my sound, like, yeah. like you can't describe how that makes you feel. Um, I mean, it made me feel great. I, it also made me feel a little bit like, you know, of course I, I never actually allowed myself to feel it very deeply because I, I was so like, don't let, don't let this, like you have to keep, you've been just doing the same thing for six months, right? Like, and now this is the one video. So if I overthink about it and analyze like maybe purple, maybe the purple eyeliner, maybe that's the thing that works. So now I'm only going to wear purple. Like, no, you can't do that. People do like, you can start thinking like that very easily. So um, I, I had one, you know, one creator, speaking of creators using my sounds, there was, by the way, this is how it happened. Like the virality, the way it continues because big creators used my sound and continued the, like propagated it. But, you know, some of them, again, the internet is just the wild, wild west, and they don't have to credit you if they don't want to. Um, but, you know, I would go to my, the, the, on TikTok, I, I would go in this comment section and people would be like, defending me like strangers that I don't know like people defending me in the comments of a random TikTok like what is that that's crazy the way that it that it affects like I don't know and the same day one person said that I literally saved their life through my voice okay Uh, what and another person and I would get all of these sorts of comments like you know I have a problem feeling emotions and this is the first time I've cried in 15 years or wow I I'm a foster care and then I had to be taken away from my brown family and this is the only one of the only times I've felt so connected to my culture which means the world to me comments like my mom died and this was her favorite song and for the first time in a long time it it made me feel like she's right here with me because she would sing this song when she was cooking like (laughs) so these things when, when I'm saying that I'm literally also just getting chills right now but also things like Again, like, why is your chin so big? <laughs> like, but, you know, of course, like, I'm very aware of the fact that it's not me, it's music. Music has that possibility. And, like, music itself is so divine. All I can do is make myself the best vessel for that divinity that Ooh. makes people cry, that gives people chills. Yeah. yeah, that's so awesome. You seem to have a really great um, support network around you. Um, and also, you were only 21. You're quite young, but you're so self-aware. Um, and, you, you know, you, you speak so deeply. I literally got chills when you said it's it's not you. Although, I mean, let's face it, you've got a beautiful voice. Um, but, you know, when you said it's not you and you're a vessel for music, I think, you know, that's just beautiful. For sure. So humble as well. So... Coming to the close of the episode, how do you envision using the platform you've created and what are your long-term goals with music? I'm really just out here singing, but people like it. And now I have a platform. So whether I wanted it or asked for it or not, like it is a privilege and it is a power and I am grateful for it. And I'm navigating that. It's like if somebody came up to you one day and was like, here you go, here's 10 pieces of gold. And you know, like, yeah, gold has value right and and you see people who have gold but you've never had gold before and so how you can use that value and what it actually what's the weight of it the true weight of it you don't actually know you've never experienced so every day I'm, I'm understanding that my future is that I want to to be coming out with original music that's my own sound and finding ways to use eastern melodies with western song structure yeah. and because honestly, it works. Toxic by Britney Spears. It's literally, if you look at like popular music, 
they use Bollywood samples all the time. Like mm-hmm. it's literally toxic community. That's why people people love it, and you don't have to be brown to love it. So I'm studying that. I'm studying my musicianship, how I want to approach my songwriting. I'm developing my guitar skills, and the dream is to go on on tour and be a touring recording artist. Um, however long that takes, I don't know. I'm just gonna try my best to do the work. I'm not expecting results until the next 10 years. I am only 21, and mm. it's really easy to look at artists like Billie Eilish and be like, "Damn, like I'm late." Uh, you know, there's, I mean, I don't listen to all of Gary Vee's stuff. I know a lot of people have mixed opinions about the way he chooses to say things. Well, sometimes it comes up on my For You page. And one thing he said was, you can literally do everything wrong for the next 10 years. And you can still have so much potential and mm. so much, like your life can change within a week, within a day, within an hour. So all you have control over is making sure you're showing up and doing the work. And doing stuff that you like, that you could feel proud of. Mm -hmm. And you're not going to love it every time. But as long as you're moving from moment to moment, you're growing. Mm -hmm. And that's all you can ensure. Love that. And I hope you come to Australia when you do this tour. But, you know, (laughs) if you don't, uh, Romy and I will make our way over to the States to watch you perform for sure. Dream come true. You guys can be my, you can come on the tour bus. We'll have some snacks. (laughs) We can be your hosts. <laughs> oh my God, amazing. Yes. <laughs> um, well, Janani, I know you've mentioned, you know, a couple of key moments for you, like your, you know, TikTok going viral and performing with Chiro Gorshaw. If you were to pick, you know, a highlight for you in your singing career so far, what would it be? Um, anytime my guru says anything remotely good about <laughs> my voice, it means a lot to me. That's very consequential. But I think I would, you know, I'm also a dancer. So my freshman year of school, my, of college, um, Shreya Vishal came to Berkeley and it was my first semester with the ensemble and dancing next to one of my idols singing Mohirangadullah. That, that was very gratifying, that moment. And when I look back, I'm still mind blown that she allowed me <laughs> within a 10-foot radius of her, like, <laughs> it's crazy. But then you look, then you look at them and it's like, at the after party, she was like, um but like she spoke with on like her dress and she was just such a regular person mm. cleaning her biryani off of her dress on the side laughing about it because again like she knows like it's you know if you understand the way that music is just not belonging to one person and it's really like you have such a deep connection to music that it's spiritual now and it can't be one person it's just everything it's like I don't know that was really inspirational to me um, I hope that answered that question. Yeah. No, it did because it's not the answer I expected. I thought maybe you would point out, you know, a particular performance where you sang, but the fact that your highlight or one of your best moments was being within that 10-foot radius of your idol and being able to connect with her with music still but in a different way through dance, I think is, you know, it's a great answer, although a different one to what I expected. Um, to close off the episode today, Janani, do you have any recommendations for our audience? Of course, all the artists that I said before that inspire me, like, please check them out if you can. Mm. Um, I have unabashed support for my Daisy American artists that are out here trying to create this genre right now. But also I think um, there's a song, Angana More by Shreya Goshal. And it's her attempt of, believe it or not, only now after her like, 
decades long career is she coming out with like really like doing the whole independent music original music thing but um I feel like that song has not gotten as much love and the way that she it is a fusion song actually the way that she chose to do it is so incredible so check out that song Angra More by Trevor Shaw we will yeah we'll post it up on our um Instagram page as well yeah as kind of a follow-up from that for people who don't regularly listen to Indian music what would you recommend as kind of a gateway into this amazing world? That is a very loaded question, Sampan. <laughs> uh, I, I like that you said for people who don't regularly listen to Indian music, because truly that is like, everybody should be listening to Indian music. Mm. Um, it depends on the type of mood that you're in. If you um, want fusion in a more jazz classical way, there's the band Shakti. So that, that's when they're less, they're lesser known with the younger folk, I think. Um, if you're in a mood of like more lighthearted stuff, uh, Bollywood music, you know, like I, I really like listening to, well, I'm actually fumbling my words because I actually don't know how to answer this question. There's so many, there's just so many. Um, but I guess if you're a first time listener, what I like to do is I like to show them the video of like, Martala or like Dolare Dola or Kahe Chere Chere Mohe. It's first of all, it's the experience. It's the audio and visual. And so even if you can't understand the words or maybe like the way that people are choosing to do the riffs in the Indian style of singing, it's, does, it sounds a little weird to you, but you can, in the context of the situation, you can, even if you're just like, that's a pretty dress, I think everybody should understand because it's one example of how in every little thing, look at Madhuri Dixit's Junka. There's so mm. much intricacy and beauty in that. Mm. So if you've never seen anything related to any Indian thing ever, then also check out those videos on YouTube. And those are, of course, beautiful songs. I love that. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Janani. Really appreciate your time today. I know it's probably getting a little bit late for you over in the US at the moment. So we really appreciate your time. All the best with everything you're doing. We'll post up your videos on our Instagram page. I mean, you're so passionate about what you do and it really comes through. So yeah, again, appreciate everything you're doing. Yeah, thank you so much. And we can't wait to see what's in store for you. Me too, brother. <laughs> I don't know what tomorrow is going to hold, but I'm just going to try being the best singer that I can be. Uh, thank you again. Like, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for having this podcast, amplifying Daisy Voices but I, I can't wait to hear more of the stories that you amplify. Thank you for thinking of me at all. I'm really honored. And I feel very, I feel very welcome and, and safe and um, able to be myself. So that's one thing I'm doing, but you're allowing me to do that. So let's not, not acknowledge that. Oh, thank you thank so you. much. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Don't forget to hit subscribe or follow on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And also remember to follow us on Instagram at stuckinbetween underscore podcast. We'll see you in two weeks for our conversation with Devdad Padanayak on Indian mythology. Romy, I'm so excited for that. His books and his TED Talks are so amazing. We're going to learn so much from him. I know, so much learning. Um, and before then, next week, we're actually releasing our very first mini episode as well, which will be a review of Never Have I Ever. We'll see you then. Bye.